Welcome to this APTA podcast. This podcast is part of APTA's Fit for Practice initiative, powered by HyperIce. Weekly programming in the form of podcasts, articles, webinars, and courses help you to prioritize movement, restoration, resiliency, and practice health. Visit APTA.org and search Fit for Practice to sign up today to receive these resources delivered to your inbox. This week's content is brought to you by HPSO. I am joined today by Brian Gilbert and Dr. Paul White. Brian Gilbert is a board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist, PT, MSPT, certified in the McKenzie Method of Medical Diagnosis and Therapy, and dry needling certified. He's a partner and COO of the Center for Physical Rehabilitation in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Paul White, PhD, is a psychologist and co-author of the book, The Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace. Today, we are discussing their work on creating a positive workplace culture with authentic appreciation. Welcome, Brian and Paul. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Yeah, well, thank you. Can you tell us, give our audience a sense of what led up to your collective interest in seeking authentic employee appreciation? Brian, I'll let you go first. All right. So <clears throat> I've been in uh, leadership for 18, almost 20 years in total. Uh, and I had a few experiences where uh, trying to appreciate some of our staff throughout those earlier years. And it became very apparent that the way I was doing it was not having a, a significant impact. Uh, part of my leadership journey was then seeking out different ways to grow as a leader. And one of the books that I came across was uh, the Five Languages of Appreciation in the Workplace by Dr. Paul White here. Uh, in getting into that and diving into that, that led me down a, a more of an understanding and a greater appreciation for the impact that appreciating my staff with a much more focused approach has on the overall culture of our business. And it has definitely been significant for us um, since we've changed our approach in that respect. And for me, uh, I'm a psychologist by training. And one of the things that I did uh, more earlier in my career was consult with family-owned businesses. I grew up in the context of a family-owned business and uh, wound up dealing with family-owned businesses, dealing with the family issues that are intertwined with business as well as business succession planning. And I was working with a family in North Carolina, talking to the dad who was the CEO. And I said, you know, how's this succession plan going? He said, it's fine. I'm my son's stepping up. I think it's going to work out. I walk across the hall and ask the son the same question. He says, this is a disaster. It's never going to work. Uh, I can't ever please my dad. And at the same time, my wife and I were uh, reading through uh, Dr. Chapman's The Five Love Languages, which is a great book on personal relationships. And I thought, you know, I wonder if the concepts might apply to work-based relationships. So I actually wound up pursuing uh, Dr. Chapman for a year and finally uh, got to meet with him and pitched the idea. And we uh, started out by building our online assessment, which has turned into the motivating by appreciation inventory uh, to identify the different ways that people like to be shown appreciation. And so we sort of dealt with the concept, you know, obviously didn't uh, feel like the concept of love was appropriate in work-based relationships. So we went to appreciation and um, built that uh started building and using some training materials with different groups and then wrote the book together and sort of went from there. Wow. 
Can you all explain the difference between employee recognition versus authentic appreciation? Let me uh, dive in on that one. Um, yeah, I think when I came into this, uh, I sort of came in the side door. I wasn't an HR person or whatever and found out that, you know, since then I found out that 85 to 90% of all organizations have some form of employee recognition program and it can be as simple as, you know, maybe an automatic email when it's your birthday um, and then larger companies and organizations have fairly complex ones. But um, really recognition is, it's a good thing when it's designed well and implemented uh, consistently, but it really focuses on uh, the employee's performance. I mean, it's, and that's how it's set up. That's its history that they wanted to improve uh, different behaviors and outcomes. So whether that's certain kinds of behaviors you want to see or certain goals, sales and so forth, and then, you know, recognize and reward those. And that's been the focus and that can be a good thing, but we really believe uh, that appreciation is more than that. It's about the person and that because we're all people, we're not just work units, we're not just producers. And if we only focus on production and performance, then that's what people feel like. And it just doesn't really uh, sort of get it done relationally and, and people don't feel like it's very personal and so forth. So we really emphasize that uh, it's about the person. So it's not always, you know, your high performance. Employee recognition programs tend to focus on the top 10 to 15% of a workforce. And that means you have a whole sort of 50 to 60% in the middle that doesn't hear anything. And those are your good, solid people that are showing up and doing the best they can, but they're just not, you know, hitting it uh, out of the park like a, a star might. And so um, we really want to focus on them and that it's not always about work. I mean, uh, personally, I like to work with cheerful people more than grumpy people. And, but that doesn't necessarily improve their performance, but it's something that I value. And so I can value, you know, a person who has a good sense of humor or a fun laugh and that kind of thing. So it's, it, the two overlap because you can obviously appreciate, you know, somebody who does something specific, but, but it's more than that. And overall, I say the only thing I might add just from my perspective, and I think Dr. White explained it very, very well. Uh, the, the concept of recognition is, you know, I think he stated it well, recognizing somebody on their birthday, you recognize something about them, but it's more about them as an individual, but not them as a person per se, in uh, the idea of authentic appreciation really coming down to what is it that makes them tick and knowing them as an individual and looking at them as a human being as compared to uh, just somebody sitting in the seat. Uh, that's kind of one of the ways that I've taught some of our leadership how to build this in and really look at this from a different perspective as well. Well, I love the personalization factor there. And I also love, you know, that hitting that middle person, that person who shows up every day ready to work, ready to go. That, I think that's an excellent component of this. Okay, so on for my next question. Do you think that appreciation com should come from leadership only? I'll let you start. I would say I'll, I'll jump in on that one. Uh, no, in fact, uh, we actually use a lot of this information to try to build collateral or lateral uh, appreciation. Uh, I'm a firm believer that team is where everything happens the most effectively. And so if we can get each other recognizing each other 
when we're playing the same role and being specific about it and appreciating somebody for the way that they want to be appreciated, how much better would the work environment be? How much better would our culture be? Uh, it, it's a hard thing to get, I think, people in general, at least from my experience in 20 years, uh, it's a hard thing to get people to see outside of themselves anyway. And so if we can teach them to look at the people sitting next to them and find something that they value or appreciate in them, it changes the whole concept uh, of, of the interpersonal relationship within the work setting. If you really want to look at it, and not to be uh, cheesy, but we are in the Thanksgiving month, I, I think that that changes the whole idea of finding something to be grateful for in the person sitting next to you as compared to constantly being negative or frustrated about the little ticky-tacky type things. So <clears throat> we, are, we are big within our organization on trying to create avenues uh, and encourage uh, you know, different ways of appreciation amongst teammates, amongst coworkers, not just from leadership down. I do believe, and I'll add this one last little piece, I do believe that it doesn't go very far if you don't have it from leadership at the same time. Uh, culture is driven by the leaders. It's top down. If, if you can talk culture all you want, you can talk appreciation all you want, but if you're not getting it from the head of the company, the CEOs, the CEOs, et cetera, it's never going to follow. And I would just add that um, when we first started out over 10 years ago, uh, Dr. Chab and I really were focused on managers and supervisors and leaders. Fairly quickly, though, we got feedback from those that we were working with that uh, people wanted to know how to appreciate their colleagues uh, and encourage them. They wanted to hear from their colleagues. And, and you know, the workplace has changed uh, over the past several years. I mean, obviously, we have the COVID issue, but even before that, where older workers really were focused on the relationship between manager and supervisor. There used to be a saying, you know, people don't leave a job, they leave a manager. I don't think that's true as much anymore. Younger workers are more focused on collegial relationships with their peers. And so those are important. So we switched probably within the first two years for sure uh, to include everybody in, in the process. And I think that's been part of our success. Uh, like Brian said, I think it's, it definitely works best when the leader and supervisors involved, but it's really too much weight and responsibility for them to carry themselves to try to, you know, support and encourage everyone. And people want to, you know, support one another. Uh, I mean, and if you're having a bad day, who knows first, it's usually one of your colleagues more than your supervisor. And so uh, we found that involving everybody on a team in the process of both finding out about their languages of appreciation, about their peers' languages, and a, a training process to, to begin to apply that uh, really makes a difference and, and does change culture because culture really is the, the composite of um, hundreds and thousands of individual interactions between individuals. So if you change those individual interactions, you're actually changing culture. So that you just tapped right into my next question was, um, how do we create, what, what's an actionable item? What, how do we start to create and foster this appreciative environment? That's a big question. <laughs> well, let me tell you how, how we've done it and have been successful in a lot of ways. Lots of times, and we work with, you know, small organizations to really, really big ones, um, but pretty much, found that the, the most effective way to, to have an impact is to, to go in and have some kind of large group 
meeting where we introduce the concepts um, and the language because being able to talk and understand terms like what's an active service, what's that mean or quality time uh, is helpful. And sort of give people the overview of what this is about. I personally believe that uh, we function best when we're given a choice. So I, I don't advocate for doing a top-down implementation that everybody's got to do it, but rather sort of expose them to it and then let uh, lots of times supervisors or managers that are interested to choose to take their team through the training. We have an online train and trainer process that, you know, uh, a team member, an HR person or whoever can go through it and then they can run that training with multiple groups in their uh, office and workplace. And then you just start to build it uh, uh, within the teams and it's, it's critical I mean, a key piece about the personal aspect is knowing how each person wants to be shown appreciation and, and learning that so that you can start to apply it versus just, you know, everybody saying thanks and have a nice day and you did a good job. I think from my perspective, going through the process years ago, and again, we've probably been using this eight, eight plus years, I would guess. Um, I think the most significant way to really implement that is, is kind of like Dr. White said, and just start having a conversation. Uh, we would do it with just our leadership first. Uh, we've done it with a large group. We try to do it uh, with anybody who uh, starts with us as a new employee. At their 90-day review, we actually, or 90-day um, uh, past their uh, initial orientation, if you will, we have them as part of their next step in the company, take this uh, MBA questionnaire. And then that gives us access to kind of how they want to be appreciated. Uh, the aspect for the, the collaborative aspect is we'll have people, uh, you know, as a chief operating officer and being manager for many years, I'll have people come to me commenting on, hey, did you see such and such did such and such? Uh, my first reaction is, did you acknowledge them? Did you go back and appreciate them or explain what you saw that you found valuable in that situation? So it, it's, I think being very intentional about the conversation and being constantly at the forefront of your mind as to how to hold that team accountable to being a team and not just coming to supervisors and expecting the supervisor to do everything. It's going to be more of a, 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 an aspect of, challenging team to be a team. And, and I think one of the things that I've found interesting is most everybody in our organization knows that if they come to me with any of this stuff, they know that's the first question they're going to be asked. So they usually come and say, and I've already talked to them. <laughs> now, can you, I wanted to let you know that they did something amazing. So. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. And I would say the other part about sort of building culture is culture requires both structure and spontaneity. Uh, structure in the sense that you need to plan for it. And so maybe at the beginning or end of, you know, a team meeting, weekly meeting, or how often that you focus on say, hey, does anybody have any, you know, positive stories that we share or any, you know, sort of kudos you want to throw out to somebody. So that's part of the structure because without structure, it just sort of melts away. The flip side of it is there needs to be some sense of spontaneity as well, because if it's all structure, it feels very sort of objective and mechanical. And so one of the fun things that we've 
been able to observe and, uh, you know, sort of celebrate is when uh, companies and organizations start to make it part of their culture, whether that's that they have T-shirts that are made up or they, you know, one place created a, a note section where they gave, they had a whole bunch of note cards and it was just free that you could go get one to, to write to somebody. Uh, one group actually had somebody that was talented and wrote a song about the different, you know, languages of appreciation um, or just, you know, spontaneously saying, Hey, let's, we're going to go out for, you know, ice cream or hot chocolate, depending on what the, you know, the, uh, uh, the season is. And so it, it requires both. Um, and so it's, it's, yeah, I, I think the a key part is sort of being committed to it and working the plan over time, like anything. Um, and what's been fun is to see that it sort of moves virally across the organization. I mean, you don't have to do it all at once. You sort of do a pilot study, uh, you know, or a group, and other people say that, see that and say, hey, that sounds cool. How come you guys get to do it and we don't, you know, and then you create a little positive peer uh, pressure that way. Can we go back to figuring out what type of language and actions speak most, most to an individual? Like, how do you guys figure that out? You know, that's one of the differences between the five love languages and the five languages of appreciation. When you're in a personal relationship, you can sort of talk about that and say, you know, uh, I know words is your language, but, you know, tell me about that. What, what do you really like? Um, in the workplace, that's a weird conversation in our culture. You don't go and say, hey, if I want to show you appreciation, how I, should I do it? It just is, is weird. And plus, pretty much you're going to get, I don't know, tell me thanks, you know, and that's about it. So you don't get much breadth of action options. And so, uh, and also, um, Dr. Chapman talks about, you know, you can watch in a personal relationship, watch what people do and give towards others. And that gives you some hints. Um, but in the workplace, there aren't that many data points, right? I mean, you don't see people communicating appreciation that much and you may not ever observe it. And so that's why really we created the inventory. And early on, we just identified um, a person's language, their first, their primary language, their secondary, their least valued language, which is a person's blind spot. It's the thing they don't really think about. It's not bad. It's just, you know, not important to me. And so, but you may have people around you that do have that language. But fairly quickly got feedback. It's like I had a um, manager that said one of my team members has quality time as their language. What does that mean? And I said, well, it sort of depends. That's the classic psychologist response. And um, so we wound up going back and retooling it so that when you identify uh, your primary language, you then have a bunch of actions to choose from, as well as from whom you want those. So let's say quality time, you may want to get together with your friends and colleagues and, uh, I don't know, go out uh, for a drink after work or get together and watch sports or something, but you don't want to invite your supervisor. So we let people choose the actions and the person, supervisor, colleagues, peers, people that report to them. Um, and that's really the only way that we've figured it out. I mean, it, it's uh, otherwise, you, know, you, you just don't get much data. So on our end, we, we use the inventory. Uh, <clears throat> like I said, uh, at the 90 day mark uh, of an employee start with us, we actually use the inventory. Uh, we have that on file. We have a running list that's access, uh, accessible, especially by managers. Um, and then beyond that, it's conversational 
using that as a reference point uh, and trying to learn and, and knowing that uh, I can ask questions, I can try to understand what are their specific ways, uh, you know, uh, to to be appreciated. Um, if it's, uh, you know, the concept of gifts, uh, listening to what their likes, dislikes are, uh, getting them tickets to a concert when they have no interest in going to a concert, not going to go very far. It'll be like, you know, great. What am I going to do with this? Or I'll give this to somebody in my family or friends who might be interested. So <clears throat> uh, again, I think it's, it's being intentional and in creating that avenue so that we're having direct conversations surrounding uh, these topics with the individuals themselves. So on a super personal note, can you both share how you like to be appreciated? So mine, probably uh, words of affirmation and uh, gifts would be my second. So. And, and words are first for me and then uh, quality time. Um, is second, be able to do something fun with somebody that I enjoy. Excellent. I'm gonna figure out mine pretty soon, you guys. Okay, now that we've talked a lot about personal affirmation and appreciation, what do you think about generic praise altogether? Should we skip it? Dr. White, can you give us an example of what people don't wanna hear? Yeah, I don't know that we should skip it. I, you know, you don't want to, you know, beat something out of somebody's behavior that approximates what you want. So, you know, I'm not so much uh, about that as more as teaching them and training them to, to get a little bit uh, closer to the mark. We have about 100,000 people on our newsletter list that we send out uh, weekly to and, and do polls occasionally. And we did a poll on uh, what don't you like to hear as far as words uh, when people try to share appreciation? And one of the main ones was good job. And, you know, in exploring that and talking to people, you know, it's, it's too vague. It's general. You can say it to anybody. It doesn't take any time, energy or thought. So it just, it feels, you know, pretty generic. Um, and we teach a model uh, in using words of, you know, use a person's name. We like to hear our name. Um, if you're writing it, make sure you spell the name correctly because there's a lot of different ways to spell names these days. And then secondly, be specific of what it is that you value. And I think when we're struggling with what to say or, you know, maybe even somebody that's a little harder to, for us to appreciate is think about what do you value about them? What do they do that is, you know, makes your life easier or is helpful to the organization? Um, and then third, be specific um, about, you know, why that's important either to you, to the organization, to the customer. So it, it could be, you know, Brian, thanks for getting your reports done and in on time to me, because that helps me turn my report around for my supervisor without, you know, being stressed about the, the time frame. So name, be specific, and uh, then why it's important to either you, the organization, or your, or your clientele. The APTA is very lucky to have an article co-authored by both of you posted on the website entitled Creating a Positive Workplace Culture with Authentic Appreciation. In the article, you guys talk about an underperforming employee and how you were able to shift the needle on their performance using authentic appreciation. 
Can you tell us more about this and then also tell us your opinions on, will this work for everybody? So I'll, I'll jump in on this because this is, this is a practical <clears throat> situation that has occurred. Uh, and I, I've, I've used this a couple of times. Um, so th this is a, a, a story, you know, I've used this concept for a couple of scenarios over the years where I had uh, an employee who was uh, underperforming, um, some, some negativity behind it, uh, not necessarily engaged in the way that we wanted to see them. And so as part of that, I, you know, I typically went through the aspect of trying to coach, teach, et cetera. And what I realized is I, I'm going to try a different approach. And so I pulled out what their inventory uh, results were, reminded myself what those were, and I changed uh, the tactic altogether. And the, the one in particular that I'm referencing, their, qual or their uh, appreciation language is quality time. And so we designed a scenario where uh, I was meeting with them uh, in a couple of different ways, out of work, in work, took on more of a mentorship role, uh, did more of uh, meeting them where they were at from the perspective of quality time and found that they started changing their entire behavior, uh, engagement, et cetera, within the workplace. Um, do I think that that works for everybody? Uh, I, I would love to say yes. Uh, I, I think it depends on what their language might be. I mean, if it's gifts, it's not necessarily gonna be something that I'm gonna uh, gift them maybe uh, in, intentionally without a positive aspect, but looking for those positive uh, attributes and things that are, we wanna see and maybe gifting in some capacity along those lines. And what that gifting, I think, is gonna be more specific to them uh, as compared to generic, like we said earlier. So I think that's a, a general concept of how we've used that. Yeah, and I, I would add, you know, obviously I would love to be able to say, you know, this helps everybody everywhere all the time, but you know, there, there are multiple reasons why people aren't performing at the level we would like uh, because behavior is complex. We're complex individuals. And so uh, clearly sometimes when somebody's discouraged or feels like nobody gives a rip if, you know, what they do or the quality of the work, you know, being able to have an effective way of communicating authentic appreciation in the way that's meaningful to them can make a difference. But there's other issues of whether that's just even skill level or training or motivation in the sense of that they care about it, um, you know, as well as other sort of factors in their life. Maybe, you know, they've got a, a, a sick spouse that they're having to take care of and take a lot of time in their energy. So, um, you know, it, it, I don't think it would hurt, but, you know, it's not always going to have uh, a super positive uh, result. Got it. I feel like definitely worth a try. <clears throat> so now I'm going to flip it again a little bit. So now what if I, you know, I'm a supervisor and I have an employee or a coworker and I am finding it difficult to find my own appreciation. Any advice there? Yeah, I, I would say first, when you, you're struggling to appreciate somebody internally, uh, don't try to fake it. Uh, because that will not turn out well. Uh, most people seem to have pretty good sensors about when you're being genuine and authentic. Um, we can misread that some, but 
uh, it will you know blow out any kind of trust uh, that you might have if if they have a sense that you don't really mean it. Um, and secondly, you know, early on, you know, we've been doing this for ten plus years. I was sort of like, okay, you just sort of gotta. Sometimes, you know, you act like it and it grows into it, kind of thing, or you just try to do it. And and I realized that really appreciation flows out of valuing someone, and that um, I find that lots of times in workplaces, a second line supervisor, in other words, your supervisor's supervisor, often may not appreciate somebody partly because they don't really know what they do. I mean, you know, um, and so there can be a misreading of that. Um, or we just, sometimes people are just, you know, a different personality style or do things differently than we do. But I found that if we take some time, doesn't have to be a lot, but say, take some time to get to know the person a little bit, you know, go to coffee together, hang out, you know, watch some sports together, whatever it might be you find touch points in their life that you can identify with, you know, whether it's you root for the same sports team or you both were the youngest child in your family, or, you know, you went to a certain school or whatever. And also, I mean, so, so that's, that's helpful, but also sometimes when we hear people's lives, you know, a lot of our lives, uh, a lot of people, you know, have had tough lives and, and there's a reason why they don't trust and they're sort of hardened. And when we hear a bit about their story, um, it you know their behavior makes better sense to us. And I think we have a little bit more compassion and patience that way. So I really feel like, um, yeah, don't push it, but try to get to know the person and just start wherever you can. Yeah, what Dr. White said. <clears throat> <laughs> no, I, I, he, he, he used, he, he definitely explained kind of where my, my sentiments were on this exact question and the idea. I, I think the, the major part there is recognizing that every person that we come into contact with has their own journey. Uh, they've all been down a certain path. They've all had experiences that I haven't had, or we might not be able to connect. And it does come down to trust. And I think that uh, you can try to show appreciation uh, but the genuine aspect of it will only be effective and received from an effective pers uh, perspective from the individual if there's trust pre present. If trust isn't there, I don't think you're going to, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle. And so I think some, to a certain extent, you've got to step back and assess the situation from your perspective as a leader uh, or as a team teammate as well and recognize uh, if, if I don't have a foundation of trust to build from, uh, whatever that might look like in the scenario, I can try to show appreciation and maybe I try to show appreciation to build trust, but uh, you've got to be very, very intentional to make sure it comes across the right way. And I think it also you can step back and it's a time to use recognition for performance. I, I mean, I think mm -hmm. that it can, if it's not at the personal level, it's okay to, to sort of take a, you know, a step backwards and, and recognize but be very specific about what you value about what they've done. And that can help sort of build that foundation uh, on which you can, you know, proceed after that. Well, thank you both for your many words of wisdom on creating a positive workplace culture. I really value your time. Thanks so much today. You bet. Thanks for having us. Thanks guys.
APTA Fit for Practice programming is available at no cost to all PTs, PTAs, and students, thanks to the generosity of our sponsors. Sign up today by visiting APTA.org and search Fit for Practice. APTA podcasts like this one are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting APTA.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.